Our gospel lesson today comes from the 21st chapter of Luke. I invite you to stand as you are able for the reading, the hearing, the blessing of God's holy word. The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Listen for the word of the Lord. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And then Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. Uh, so also, when you see all these other things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries about this life, and that that day catches you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that will take place and strength to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Whew, what a gloomy text on such a festive day. Did you hear it? God, it's remarkable to me as we begin this new year, year C, we're going to journey through Luke's gospel over the next year. It's remarkable to me that we begin with such gloom and doom, destruction even. When you see the signs that trouble your spirit, look closely, for the kingdom of God is near. What in the world does that mean on Hanging of the Greens Sunday? Because let's be honest, our signs, well, they're pretty. <laughs> and they smell nice. And they illumine the room so beautifully and wonderfully. Our poinsettias are popping. Why does the lectionary send us this, this moment of doomsday prophecy? Hmm. Well, I took the liberty of consulting with Mr. and Miss Britannica this past week, and I looked up some popular doomsday predictions. Here they are, and doomsday blunders, for that matter. Most recently, uh, December 21st, 2012, the Mayan calendar ended. You remember that? The end of the Mayan calendar, thought to be here since the beginning of time itself, it ended. Surely that must mean the end of the world was near. But alas, here we are. <laughs> all of us. In 1992, Harold Camping published a book called 1994, the date, the year that he thought the world would end. And when he missed that mark, he published another one in 2011, predicting that 7,000 precise years had passed since the time of Noah. But alas, we're all here. <laughs> I was uh, quite young 
maybe 10 years old when Halley's Comet came. How many of you remember that? You remember, I watched Halley's Comet coming across the sky with my grandfather. It was a very memorable moment. And some scientists said, it's coming too close. It's going to hit the earth. It didn't. Some are predicting in 2061 when it returns, it will hit the earth. We shall see. <laughs> Alas, we're still here. Uh, don't forget about Y2K. Do you remember Y2K? Oh. Were, were the computers going to think it was the year 2000 or 1900 or 1800? Who knew? We all sat up late at night, but alas, here we are. My favorite prediction that went awry was from a very notable domesticated hen in Leeds, England in 1806. Have you heard about this? The hen started laying eggs that said, Jesus is coming. That was written on the egg. Some thought it was a, a prophetic sign. In reality, it was just the owner writing it in a special ink and then doing something to make the hen lay the egg a second time. I don't know, when it, know what that was. I looked up doomsday predictions for 2021, and all I found were scoreline predictions for the Iron Bowl. I suppose there was a search history and my affinities for my team smashed together Auburn and Doomsday. I don't know how that worked, but it did. You ever have those moments? But let me tell you, not even a cataclysmic four overtime Iron Bowl could bring Jesus back. And I know some of y'all were throwing up prayers last night. I know it. But it didn't happen. We're still here. Finally. I searched for predictions for 2022, and thanks be to God, all I got were March Madness basketball predictions. What does that mean? I think we're safe between now and March. That's what I think that means. Why so many doomsday predictions? Why the popularity of the end of times? Is it our pursuit to be right and to be accurate, to be well prepared? Are we, is our interest simply piqued by all of this? How do we even know if we're looking for the right things in the right direction, in the right places, at the right times? Now that question, that question gets us close to the heart of today's reading and to the heart of what Advent is all about. For better, for worse, we're fascinated by the end times. I, I even learned this past week that prior to uh, the pandemic, Hollywood produced one apocalyptic movie per year for many, many, many years. Did you know this? Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Armageddon, The Matrix, I Am Legend, Deep Impact, Mad Max, not the remake, but the old one with Mel Gibson, that was a better one. We're fascinated with all of this stuff. People flock to theaters and the silver screen to see how it will all end. And imaginations run as wildly as the butter down to the bottom of our popcorn as we're just sitting there munching away at these movies. So into all of that, your preacher needs to say something about the end of time since everyone else is talking about it and since it's in the Bible and since it's the text for Advent 1. Jesus says... There will be signs indicating the end is near, and those predictions, they did come true. The temple was destroyed. But Jesus said, when you see those signs and you want to keep looking down at the ground, raise 
Raise your heads. Look up. Listen, this past week I heard about the most awful apocalyptic signs that anyone could hear. You want to know what it was? Sister Schubert stopped making pigs in a blanket. No more orangey stuff, no more pig cinnamon, no more, no more pigs in a blanket. How are we going to survive? I looked east to see if Jesus was coming back on a cloud. And I heard R.E.M.'s song. It's the end of the world as we know it, but I didn't feel fine about the pigs in a blanket. What is going on with this reading about desolation and the destruction of Jerusalem and, and signs to prove that it's all going down? I, I'll put it to you like this. This, is, this text was written just a few years after the fall of the temple, which was in 70 A.D., it was in the collective memory of Luke and of the early hearers how horrific that incident was. Many of you can remember where you were on that September day when the world stopped turning and the towers were bombed and the Pentagon and one plane went down in Pennsylvania. I, just as vividly as it was yesterday, I recall the billowing smoke and all of the events unfolding and that type of reality is the one into, Luke is, into which Luke is writing saying, you remember the screams. You remember the horror. You remember children being pulled from their parents. You remember being surrounded by Rome and starved out. You remember everything burning, people and animals and houses and buildings. You remember the temple itself fell. Hearers knew the exact event that Luke was referencing. And the consensus was Jesus predicted it and it happened. And if it can happen once, it can happen again. And fear and doubt began to weigh on the people. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like, you know, you know what's coming? It happened once. Surely it's going to happen again. And the weight just keeps piling on and, and we want to keep looking down. But the good news of Advent is despite all of that chaos, all of that tumult, look up. There's hope to be found and to be proclaimed. Keep your heads up in the wintry gray moments because that fig tree, it's going to sprout soon, indicating that a new season of life is coming. The world is scary but it won't last forever. The negative sometimes outweighs the positive, but not forever. Doubt sometimes outweighs hope, but not forever. It doesn't last. Jesus says, look up. There's a kingdom coming your way. So why the doomsday prophecies? Why do these images of apocalypse tug at our sensibilities? And why on Advent 1... Well, because the purpose of prophetic literature is a call to repentance. It's a call to change. It's a call to a fresh start. That's why, um, you know, we wear purple for Advent, but what is the other se season for which we wear purple? Lent. A time of examination and reflection and repentance. The two seasons are a lot alike in that way. The purpose for this reading today is for the church to pick up the trumpet and to blast the clarion call to proclaim hope amid the world's chaos, 
to begin afresh, not just by flipping a new liturgical calendar, but by renewing relationships, by recommitting our lives to the way of Jesus, by doing all of this so that we can be together, whatever it takes to be together for Advent and to reconnect with our church family. There's a scholar named Wesley Avram who writes something that, that I love and have reflected on this week. It says, we actively, we actively wait together in the meantime because we hear the name of the one who holds us together in the end times. We wait together in the meantime, right now, because we want to hear the name of the one who's going to hold us all together when that day comes, the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, Son of David, Son of God. So friends, we shouldn't be anxious or afraid about how the world will change. We should be anxious and afraid that it won't change at all. Because when Jesus Christ comes into this world and breaks into the darkness of our lives and through the fog and, and through the gray and through all of the sleepy matter that, that clouds our eyes, he's trying to find a manger to take up residence. He's looking for your, your heart and your mind and your hands and your feet and your voices and your talents. And he's looking for your calendar and your checkbook. And he's looking for everything to say, show the world that there's light breaking into the darkness. Show the world that not any amount of darkness is inconquerable if you have one light, one candle. So look up and pay attention and listen closely and be present this season and be intentional about being here together and notice uh, things around the church because we are called as a body of believers to peek into the vortex of cultural chaos and to open our eyes amid all that's swirling around and to find that one shred of hope that is in existence and amid this world that's spiraling out of control with calamity and crisis and everything else that's going on, and then to proclaim all of that will not last. Christ is coming. Hang on to one another. How are you hanging on to one another? How will you hang on as we're together for Advent this season? One of the questions I want us to be thinking about, a set of questions, is uh, what what do we need to remove from our eyes to see that level of hope exists in this world? How do we need to hear? There's a difference in hearing and listening. How do we need to truly hear the cries of the needy and hear the call of God on our life so we can proclaim hope in this dark world? What is the boulder that stands in the pathway between us uh, being who we are and who God wants us to be? And how do we need to start moving that out of the way? That's a journey that we're taking. It's also frightening to consider, but it's so fascinating to think about how it all will end. This Advent season, it calls the Christian to take not the short view, the immediate view, but to look up and to take the long view that in our searching, we find that we are inextricably tied up with God's unfailing love through Jesus Christ, who could come back at any moment. Don't forget to look up this season.
So just as we have prepared the beautiful sanctuary here in a marvelous way, so too do we now prepare our hearts and our minds and our hands and our voices and our everything about us. We begin the process of preparing and making room and, and getting it all set for Jesus Christ to come. We, we prepare to celebrate how Christ came down 2,000 years ago, and we prepare how God is with us now, and we prepare how God will be with us in the future, making all things new. All that to say, welcome to Advent. What a thrill of hope it is to celebrate it together as a body of Christ. Amen.